Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the King, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scored his innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Well, it's time once again for the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being back once again as tonight marks the start of a huge weekend series. The Angels come to town for three games and I mean, you start doing the math, there's not a ton of opportunities left in this season, and the Mariners have got to take advantage of this weekend series against the Angels. Everybody lost yesterday except for the Twins. Uh, so every team in the race is on a losing streak. Twins now 73-67, and 67, holding the second wild card. The Angels one game back, Baltimore two, Texas two and a half, Tampa and Kansas City three and a half. Mariners now 69 and 71, four back. They've lost three in a row, looking to snap that streak against the Angels. Angels playing some great ball. They've won six of their past eight ball games. Their lineup looks a lot different with Brandon Phillips at the top, who they acquired from Atlanta. Justin Upton now hitting in the three slot between Pujols and Trout. And Upton's having a career year, 39 doubles this year, uh, 28 home runs, having a, a nice season. So that's what the Mariners are up against in these three games. Mike Leak will take the ball in the first game tonight, and we'll hear from Mike Leak coming up in a few moments. He was outstanding in his first start as a Mariner. Seven innings of two-run ball, tied his season high for strikeouts, and surpassed his season high in pitches thrown. One of the highest ground ball rates in baseball. It doesn't walk a ton either. One of the lowest walks per nine rate in baseball. So that's all good as Leak will take the ball here in game one of the series. For game uh, one of the series for the Angels, Ricky Nolasco will get the ball. He's given up a ton of homers this year. 33 home runs on the season. Although he did have his best game of the year against the Mariners. July 1st in L.A., Nine innings, complete game, three-hit shutout over the Mariners. Last time, though, he faced him. He's faced him four times already this year. 
August 11th, Mariners got him five earned runs in five innings pitched, and he's given up five home runs, uh, home runs to the Mariners in four starts. So that's the matchup here for game one of this series. Albers against Heaney on Saturday, Erasmo against Parker Bridwell on Sunday. That's the three-game series. So a big, big series coming up for the Mariners. Then they hit the road, four in Texas, three more against the Houston Astros. Angels, they catapulted back into this race playing the Mariners earlier the uh, earlier last month in August, a four-game sweep at the hands of the Mariners. August 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th, the Angels swept aside the Mariners, and that really made the difference in the Angels' season so far. So big series starts tonight. The rotation has been very good for the Mariners. Last six, a 2.65 ERA. Opponents just batting 175, but they've got to get the sticks going and a chance to do it against the Angels, who still have had some struggles in their rotation. Angels just took two of three from the A's. They were off yesterday as well. They lost the final game of the series 3-1 to one, to Oakland. Now they're 3-3 three and three on what is a nine-game road trip. Then they head back home. Angels have six left against the Mariners, six against the Astros, three Texas, three Cleveland, and four against the Chicago White Sox. So game one tonight, 7-10 first pitch from Safeco Field. Mike Leake will take the ball as the Mariners desperately trying to get the win against the Angels. So that comes up tonight. Right now, let's hear from Mike Leake, who will take the ball tonight. Boy, what a whirlwind few days. You get the trade, head to St. Louis, now in Seattle. You're on the mound. How satisfying was it to pitch the team to victory in what was a very impressive outing? Yeah, I mean, I think it was extremely satisfying, especially coming off a uh, tough road trip. Um, Being able to come here, put the first one away, um, hopefully we can repeat it today. Now, you grew up a Mariners fan, right? So what's what's it like putting on that Mariners uniform? Uh, it's a it's it's a pretty surreal. I mean, it's uh, it's a it's a moment I'll cherish forever. Just because I, it was it was an honor growing up a Mariners fan. And now that I get to put the uni on and actually be a part of it, I mean, you really never think you would. But I mean, <laughs> the fact that I'm here today is a, is a pretty cool feeling. Why were you a Mariners fan growing up? My aunt lives up here, mm-hmm. um, and I like Mariner Moose growing <laughs> up. So uh, it was uh, I guess it was it was love at first sight. So. Nice. Well, you haven't spent that much time in Safeco Field. One time last year on the mound, but you also pitched there in college at Arizona State against the University of Washington at a great game there. What are your memories about that, your your first time at Safeco Field on the mound? I mean, it was empty, but it was... uh, (laughs) It was was cold, too, because it was one of our first games of the year, Mm. but it was... uh, it was a pretty cool experience just because Safeco was my top top two stadiums I ever mm-hmm. liked. So, I mean, it, getting getting a pitch in it um, in college is even more cool just because when you're that young, it's, it's, it's something you strive for. You had a tremendous career at Arizona State, Pac-10 Pitcher of the Year a couple of years in a row. I mean, the, the numbers were off the charts. How much did pitching at, in the Pac-12 get you ready for the big leagues? Uh, I think it... It allowed me to skip the Myers. I mean, I, I mean, I guess the fact that I was able to to learn so much just because we had such quality coaching um, all around the board uh, was we had Stankiewicz, who was an ex-big leaguer, who who just shared knowledge that that really just helped me bloom as a, as a baseball player. Really, so it uh, I think it it just shows that it, it helped get me to the next level. 
One of the things that stood out about the game last night is the pace you work at, the quick pace. What led you to work at that kind of pace? Uh, I was taught at a young age from my dad. <laughs> I mean, I, I was told I was taught to get the ball and, and go. I mean, I wasn't taught to walk around the mound or or think <laughs> about things. Um, that's what the pregame is for. So, um, I, I just I also don't like to bore guys. So it's it's, uh, it's it's nice to be able to go and and just work at a quick pace. And some games don't allow you to. Sometimes yeah. you have to slow it down, but. Um, last night, fortunately, was able to get in a rhythm with Mike, and it was uh, fun to work with him. How was it working with Mike Zanino for the first time? I think it was it was, it was pretty spot on. I mean, yeah. it was uh, I know I know it's going to take time, but yeah. I mean, it, it was pretty pretty encouraging um, working with him last night. And I think as long as we keep communicating, keep keep trying to get better with each other, I think it'll be a good experience. Well, congratulations. Great outing last night. Thanks for the time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And how about as our 40th anniversary celebration continues, we hear from a name from the past, Bob Walcott. Well, this is a conversation I'm looking forward to very much, and I know Mariner fans will always remember the name Bob Walcott for a lot of reasons, and we get a chance to reminisce with Bob Walcott right now. Let's first talk about August of 1995. You're a young pitcher in the organization. You get the call up to the big leagues. The Mariners making this incredible run in the month of August. What is going through your mind as you get the call up to the big leagues? I I just wanted to do my part. You know, I, I didn't want to be an anchor as a young player. You know, it's I guess there aren't a lot of big expectations. So I I wanted to give the chance uh, the team a chance to win every time I took the mound and and just do everything I could to keep the run going and and be helpful. And you were local. I mean, Medford, you know, Pacific Northwest guy, familiar with the Mariners, obviously. Did, did the significance of what was unfolding at the time register for you as such a young pitcher? It really didn't. Um, not in August. You know, as as the season went on and, and we had the streak, you know, through August and September, and we started to pack the stadium, you know, sell out crowds every night, 57, 58, 58,000 people. It started to sink in that this was really something special. Yeah, as that was unfolding into September, what was the atmosphere of the kingdom like on a night-to-night basis? It was it was amazing. Um, just how loud the stadium would get, the the amount of energy, and the amount of fan support. It was it was magic. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. And of course, you guys win the one-game playoff against the Angels. You lose two in New York. You come back home. What was the feeling of the ball club coming back home, having lost two, including an incredibly tough ball game in extra innings, knowing that you're up against it, needing to win all three? Um, we just felt like we had work to do. You know, we we knew we weren't out of it. We'd been doing amazing things all through September with some of the the wins and and the way that games were finishing up. So we knew we had a chance. There wasn't any doubt there, you know, but with the way the series going, we knew that we had our work cut out for us. And then it came down to that moment, greatest moment in Mariners history. Ken Griffey Jr. on first, Edgar Martinez at the plate, and you will live in Mariners history all time. You look at those photos in the background. There's one where you're leaping about 10 feet in the air. There's the one where every day I come to the ballpark, I look at the picture of Ken Griffey Jr. in the pile, and you're right there as well. Describe that moment when he slides across home plate for the win. I don't really think words can 
there was just so much tension from that series, all the games going into extra innings, just nail biters, you know, with a constant knot in your gut, and that game included, and it came down to the last at bat, you know, and so there's just so much tension, and then it released all at the same time. You know, if you hit a home run, it would have been completely different, but he hits a ball that's going to be borderline. <laughs> so you're, you're just like, oh, and, you know, Griffey's on first, and, and you look around, and there you... You turn your head and you see Griffey running as fast as I've ever seen anybody run. I mean, I know he's fast, but I'd never seen him run like that. And you're like, oh, he's really got a chance. And then he rounds third and he beats it. And it's just, I mean, it was amazing. And it all came to a head in that jump, you know, because yeah. like releasing like five, six days worth of stress and, and tension. Stress and tension is a perfect way to describe it. And at that point, the pitching staff was really beat up. I mean, yeah. Randy had come out of the bullpen. Guys were uh, really stretched. You get the call in game one of the series against the Cleveland Indians, the powerful Cleveland Indians. There you are the first inning facing what is an incredible lineup. I mean, Lofton, Vizquel, Baerga. You walk all three to start the game. Bases loaded, facing Albert Bell. Lou Pinella comes out to talk to you. What did he say in that moment? He said, fella, <laughs> I don't care if we get beat 11-0. We need you to give us some innings today. Which, I think it was a lie. <laughs> to, a, to a degree, but it just gave me a breather. It allowed me to relax a little bit and just refocus on what I needed to do. And it, it was the perfect medicine I needed. The right-hander into the wind and the 2-2 pitch on the way to Albert Bell. Swing and a miss. He struck him out on a fastball. So one big out. You got Bell. He went through the teeth of the order without giving up a run. What were your feelings as you walked to the dugout going through that order with a zero on the board in the first inning? Oh, I was... I was ecstatic. I mean, I I made it through the the heart of the order without giving up a run. So I knew it could only go uphill. Yeah. <laughs> it can't get much tougher or more stressful than that. And so at that point, I liked my odds. Bobby Wolcott into his wind and the old one pitch on the way. Swung on one hopper. Great stop by Cora from his knees. Throws it out. My, oh, my, a miracle in the first. Well, you pitched really well in that ball game. You gave the Mariners seven. You got the win in a very close ball game. When you look back on that game, pitching in the American League Championship Series, what do you think about? I think about anything is possible. I mean, it was a real David and Goliath situation, and all you can do is the best you can do. You know, when the, when the odds seem in, insurmountable, all you can do is go out and give it 100% and, and do the best you can do. And I feel like that's what I did. And I, I carry the, those lessons that I learned playing in that year and playing here, you know, with me to this day in, in the way I approach different things. The den is almost painful here. On one, the count, the 0-1 pitch to Eddie Murray on the way now. And it swung on on a ground ball, hit to Soho. He has it, bobbles, picks it up, throws the first, and the Mariners are a game up. They win game number one, three to two. My, oh my. And it was a 22-year-old kid that led them. Bobby Walcott went seven outstanding innings. And he receipts for the victory. And 57,000 fans continue to believe 
They continue to live an incredible dream, and the Mariners in game number one win it by one. What a ball game. You still live in the Pacific Northwest. Is it even more special for you with the connection of the Mariners in that year? Yeah, I love the Pacific Northwest, and it just feels like a real sense of community to me. You know, that having traveled all over the United States and lived in Japan and all that, this is the, the area that we came back to. You know, this is where we want to live, and anybody that lives here knows why. It's just fantastic. You got a front row seat in your time to watch Edgar Martinez on a daily basis, and he is inching closer and closer to the Hall of Fame vote. I know Mariners fans are hoping that he does get pushed over into the Hall of Fame. When you watch him on a daily basis, how good of a hitter was Edgar Martinez? He was amazing. I mean, it was, God, I was so spoiled. You know, the guys that I got to, <laughs> to watch on a daily basis, um, he was one of the best and as a just pure hitter he was as good as it gets you know you you don't get better than that to hit to all fields with power inside outside breaking pitches off speed doesn't matter he he was ready for it and it was a treat it was a treat and King Griffey Jr., of course, already in the Hall of Fame. No shock there. First ballot Hall of Famer. What was it like being teammates with King Griffey Jr.? Yeah, I just don't I don't know how to describe it. I mean, to watch him play on a daily basis, he had the highest vote total of all time for the Hall of Fame. I mean, and I got to sit in the dugout and shake his hand after he hit home run and, and to see how he got there, how he got to that point of having the highest vote total. I mean, it was amazing watching him play. I mean, amazing doesn't do it justice. Um, anybody that's played with him knows what it's like to have him out there, and, and you might see a miracle at any any point. And it was, it was really cool. You know, I, I feel very fortunate. Well, here we are sitting in the dugout at Safeco Field. Beautiful day, the sun pouring in. Didn't get the same opportunity at the Kingdom across the street. What do you remember, though, about playing in the Kingdom? It was a tough place to pitch. Um, it was not very pitcher-friendly, but I actually really liked the Kingdom. <laughs> um, it was great how loud the place got. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the acoustics and, and with a, a full house, it was it was a different level. You know, you didn't see that anywhere else in the league. It was a lot of fun. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, especially that stretch in 95. I mean, that uh, it was deafening at times. Oh, yeah. Um, deafening doesn't do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I mean, that, <clears throat> I remember you know, when you're pitching the, the next night, you're charting pitches in the clubhouse mm-hmm. watching the games on TV because you can see a lot better what's going on, where the pitches are, than you can from the dugout. And so I remember somebody hit a home run. I think it was Griffey, actually. And so I put the clipboard down and... You could hear the rumble from the clubhouse a little bit, but the closer you got to the entrance of the dugout, the more deafening, deafening it became. And it was cool to step through the door, and all of a sudden you just can't hear yourself think, and it's just mayhem, the crowd going crazy. <laughs> it, was, it was something else. Well, thanks so much for sharing the stories. We really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. It is former Mariner pitcher Bob Walcott. See you later! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 